Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. You are listening to the Build Your Network podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place, because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Before we get into today's show, I have to ask you a question. Have you tried booking big name guests for your podcast, your YouTube channel, virtual summit, blog, or other content that you have, but you're just getting lost in email hell, being locked out by gatekeepers and unable to confirm a solid date? Or maybe you want to bring more attention to your content or your business by being a guest on other people's shows, but you're just not sure how to formulate your pitch or get a hold of the right hosts. Trust me, as a top 25 business podcaster, I've been through it all too. And that is exactly the reason that I created Guestio. Guestio is an all-in-one tool dedicated to helping you streamline your guesting workflow and grow your audience through finding, booking, and managing the top-tier guests and shows that you actually want. Discover new guests and platforms, schedule interviews on your booking calendar, communicate seamlessly with our built-in messaging system, download an easily shareable press kit complete with bio, headshots, links, and anything else that you might need for your creation process, and manage all of that from one easy-to-use dashboard. That's right, you can book guests like Manny Pacquiao, Jordan Harbinger, Lori Harder, Brandon Turner, and many others without ever leaving Guestio. So if you are tired of being rejected and ignored by top guests and platforms and sick of using 12 tools just to manage your interview workflow, then you're going to want to head over to Guestio.com right now to sign up for your free account and start using Guestio today. That's Guestio.com, G-U-E-S-T-I-O.com. It's time to build your network with Guestio. And now, let's get back to the show. 
Hey everybody, welcome to Build Your Network. My name is Eric, I'm Travis's producer, and on today's midweek mashup, we are learning how to learn. First up, we have award-winning author, keynote speaker, and film producer, Greg Reed, who talks about how to learn by doing without fear of failure. Next up is Yaya Bakar. He's been paid to speak on over 500 stages, and he talks about getting paid to practice. And last up is Jordan Harbinger, host, of course, of the Jordan Harbinger Show. He talks about how he learns about his guests so he can give an interview like absolutely no one else. Definitely listen to the whole episode. And if something in it is helpful for you, any point is helpful for you, be sure to take a screenshot and tag Travis Chapel in your Instagram stories. It's at Travis Chapel. All right, let's get into the episode. And the biggest fear that holds people back is the fear of judgment and criticism. Yeah. And there's a bumper sticker that says, yeah, like, what would you do if you couldn't fail? The real question is, what would you do if you stopped giving a shit what people thought? <laughs> yeah, because that, that's, really, that's really the same question, right? Because if you didn't give a shit about what people thought, then you would probably have more confidence in the things that you tried. Because that's probably half the reason people have that nervousness anyway is because they're afraid they're going to fail just because of what other people might think of them. So if you just didn't have that, you'd have the confidence and you wouldn't have that fear of loss and you would have, you'd have the ability to do better in just about anything that you do. Is that right? Absolutely. Even right now through these challenging times that we're going through, the realities are this is the perfect time. If you ever want to write that book or create a movie or a screenplay or a new t-shirt line, look, no one's looking in your window. They're dealing with their own situation. This right. is an ideal time to start that new business because you can do it without you know, a bunch of prying eyes. Man, that's, uh, there's so many directions to take this. So let's, I want to pick one here and I want to talk to you a little bit about this because 100 books is just ridiculous. So let's talk about author, being an author and the few lessons that, you would, that you've taken away from that you know, really a journey is essentially what it is, what it's been. Uh, and, and how long you've been, how long have you been doing that now since you've been, since you've been writing books? Gosh, I guess 20 years now, but here's wow. the deal. I don't write books. You know, look, this, there's no Santa Claus. An author is the person who name goes on a book and a writer is the person who wrote it. They're two yeah. different people. Just like Katy Perry probably didn't write the song Firework, but she's the author of that song. Sure. Well, it's the same thing. It's my ideas and it's my stories, but I hire people that work their strengths. I hire my weaknesses. And so the whole idea is I've been published now in over 100 books and all these different languages, even just got a star on the Walk of Fame in Vegas right next to Elvis of all things. <laughs> nice. Really cool about this process is Look, you don't have to be an expert in anything to get started. Surround yourself with people literally that play and what you know you would stumble at. You don't have to be an expert in anything to get started. I absolutely love that. In fact, you will not be an expert at something that you are just starting. So be okay with that and just get going because that's the only way to get better, right? Yeah. So what, of all the books you've been a part of, all the projects you've been a part of, what, what are the top few that mean the most to you? Not necessarily that have done the best, not necessarily the ones that have sold the most, but the ones that have meant the most to you. You know, the first one, because the real realities are, if I would have given up after 50 rejections or 80 or 125 or 212, I wouldn't have impacted millions of people. And so the fact of the matter is that first one of persevering and not giving up was the key element. But the biggest thing I'm proud of is one of the books I was interviewing, uh, Frank Shankwitz, founder of Make-A-Wish Foundation. And at the end of the interview, I asked him, I said, hey, Frank, what was your wish? He goes, what are you talking about? I go, you're founder of Make-A-Wish. What do you want? And he says, yeah. no one asked me. 
I says, I will grant your wish. Anything you want, I'll give it to you. And he says, I just want my story to be told so my grandkids know I did something. Hmm. So he signed over his life rights and said, I'll make it into a major movie, but I've never made a major movie, (laughs) but he trusted me. And it took six years, millions of dollars, and we just made the official ballad for the Oscars last year, and we're streaming worldwide on Netflix at this exact second called Wish Man. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is, uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. Man, what, how was that experience? Talk, talk to me about that experience, like going from, you know, never made a movie to actually making a successful film. Back to our original point. I never wrote a book before. I never made a movie before. I never yeah. started it doesn't make a difference. The main thing is to get started. I believe that the universe rewards massive action, right? Yeah. And so that's what I did. So people go, oh, it's easy for you. I didn't know what I was doing. So I sat there on this crazy thing called Craigslist. and I ran an ad and said, I'm looking for someone to write a screenplay. And someone popped up and they wrote the screenplay and ended up directing it and ended up producing it with me wow. and winning all these awards from a guy I found on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> so look, the fact of the matter is like Les Brown says, you don't have to be great to get started, but you got to get started to get great. So this is the Build Network podcast. We talk a lot about relationships and connections and already we've been, we've been, you know, even the, in just the successes that you've had that we've already been discussing, there's clearly a footprint of relationships and networking that has been uh, obviously really crucial for a lot of the things that you've been able to be successful with. And I know that you know, I know that you know Thinking Grow Rich really well. So there's a story in there that Napoleon Hill talks about with Henry Ford, right? Where he's uh, suing for libel because of all the this, uh, stuff that people are saying that's bad about him and that he's not competent and stuff like that. Can, can you tell that story and then talk about how it's been applicable in, in your life? You know, a hundred percent. 
I, I want to go back to this power of connections because I think a lot of people miss how simple it is to make connections. And I, I want to share something with you because, again, for people that don't know me, look, I do an event called Secret Knock every year, and I bring in the founders of every giant organization that everyone else talks about. So if you want to you know, start a clothing line, here's the founder of Ugg Boots. You want to start a nonprofit, founder of Make-A-Wish. Last time I did it, President Vicente Fox came in and told me how he's not building me a wall. We had private Skypes with Edward Snowden all the way down to Lamborghini flying in from Italy. And the way we did it is that the most successful people are also the most available people. If you're brand new at something, you're happy-go-lucky, you're fresh, you're cool. If you're at the pinnacle of your field, you're happy-go-lucky, you got nothing to prove. It's the people that are in the middle are the pain in the ass. It's easier to get to the founder of REMAX Real Estate Billion Dollar Corporation than your local REMAX president down the street because he's filled with ego. And so I realized for myself, just jump to the front of the line. And here's the other thing. 80% of every single thing we need is already within our sphere of influence, but we're always afraid. We're waiting for that perfect time. It's called a bad case of the one size. That means I'll take action and reach out once I have the opportunity, once I have the big break or money. Timing's never perfect. Open up your cell phone. That person that you met at a networking thing 10 years ago and you're waiting for the perfect time, right now, reach out to that person. Say, hey, how are you holding up? Anything I can do, you know, to collaborate? Yeah, now is always the best time. So, so Henry Ford, right? So if you can uh, tell that story and then talk to us a little bit about how it's been applied in your life. I'm going to be frank with you. When it comes down to Henry Ford, I've got a whole different opinion towards this stuff, especially with a lot of the things that Napoleon Hill talked about through his different interviews, because I get to see things from a different perspective. Yeah, so please. I, and I should talk offline on that one. And then we should have another conversation because I will blow your mind with the actual facts, not based on just a book, but the things that I discovered. You see people that are listening for the first time, Napoleon Hill, when he was 23 years old, gained access to the richest man in the world, Andrew Carnegie. Mm. And he sent him on a mission by a letter of introduction to meet all of his famous friends. He sat down with Edison Ford, the Rockefellers, Alexander Graham Bell. A hundred years later to the date, the Napoleon Hill surviving family and the foundation gave me that same letter. And so I have a Willy Wonka ticket to meet any human alive. And I've had a chance to go through the archives and read the actual handwritten notes of all the different conversations. So one day you and I should sit down and have that conversation and then regroup some of this because you know it would absolutely blow your mind and we'll go down a rabbit hole that will take more than just 20 minutes. This sounds weird, but I got paid to practice for my first speech, which sounds freaking nuts. Like I've never spoken in front of people, did anything like that. So speaking of imposter syndrome and like my need for perfection and how that was disguised with procrastination, when I started my first program, my first mentor, I spent about three months, so from January to March, mid-March, trying to perfect my speech. Because I told myself, man, if I have a perfect presentation and I delivered it powerfully and I knew what I was going to say eloquently, then people would take me seriously, which is complete bullshit. So like, that's true. So I said that I was like, I don't know what my speech, I was, I was on a group call with one of my mentors and he was, I was like, I don't know what my, my presentation or my niche or my topic is. He's like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't matter. Why are you trying to prepare a presentation if you don't know who you're going to be speaking to yet? Why don't you book yourself first, get paid to practice? And I was like, No, that's not possible. And it's the idea, even in entrepreneurship, sell it before you create it. 
because it makes no sense to create something that if you don't know there's a demand for. And it's the same thing when it comes to the business of speaking or even coaching and consulting. Why create something if you don't know there's going to be an audience for it? So wouldn't it be better to book something first, sell it, and then now you have nothing like a deadline to motivate you, right? Pressure creates diamonds. And believe it or not, pressure can create the most powerful work. And so legit, what I did was I started calling schools at the time because I was speaking at high schools and, and colleges. So I just called the school and I would just call the call and just happened to find somebody who took a stab on me and she paid me a hundred bucks for my first gig on March 17, 2011, which is St. Patrick's Day. And I literally had four to five days to prepare for my speech, which is fucking crazy because I'm like, how the hell am I going to prepare a speech that I'm not even ready for? But I had four, four days to prepare and I did it. And I'll tell you what, my first presentation sucked. I, it bombed. It was so bad. The, I look back at it now and I have videos of me when I teach my clients how to create their demo videos and stuff like that. I show them an example of what I started with and I cringe every time, but I'm trying to illustrate a simple point. You don't need to be perfect to make a difference and make an impact. You just need to get started. And so I just got started. I got out there. That video that I got, that one speech, got me my second gig for 600. Then got me my third gig for 2000. And then throughout the, my entirety of my career in the education market, which is like high schools and colleges, which is a tough market to break into, I got it paid anywhere between 2500 to later on in my career from $5,000, $10,000 for one hour of my time. So, so like it, but I started where I was. And so there's a point. Every master was once a disaster. Every expert was once a beginner. So if you don't compare your chapter one to somebody else's chapter 20, and you could just get started, keep focusing on your lane. Start where you are at. Don't look at that person who you admire because that's where imposter syndrome comes in. It comes from a, a state of comparison. But I can't be like that person when in reality, if you come from a place of service, not comparison, contribution, not comparing yourself to that person, then you're here to serve the person who's just a few steps behind you. They're not holding you to that, whole, to that standard that you're holding yourself. You're just supporting them. And that's all they need. They, just, they could relate to someone who's more like you than that person who's a multi-billionaire, who's spoken on here, who has all these degrees and blah, blah, blah. They don't care that because that person is alienating them. But you can relate to them. Was there any like books or like audios that you listened to or was it just like studying what other people did, like watching, you know, Larry King or, you know, listening to Tim Ferriss or other people like that really helped you be able to do that? Or was it honestly just the fact that you just did so much of it all the time that you just continuously got better? Yeah, Tim didn't have a show back then. I think I, I helped him launch his show in, oh my gosh, I don't know. 2013 or 2014, maybe. I'm not okay. sure when he started. Might wow. be even later than that. But the, and I put helped him launch in, in quote, air quotes because there were, it was me and my producer and a couple other people. I didn't exactly, it wasn't like I was like, here's how you turn your microphone on. You know, he's, <laughs> he, but that whole thing off the ground podcast wise, because he used, it's funny to say this. He, I remember him emailing me a long time ago and being like, hey, I'm a fan of your show. And I was like, oh, okay, you're writing a book. Congratulations. <laughs> um, four hour work week sounds weird. And then I read it. And I was like, this is a really good book. And he's like, thanks, man. I hope it takes off. And now I'm like, oh my God, look at this guy. <laughs> so yeah, that man, that was a long time ago, man. That was like a decade ago. But yeah, I watched probably 300 Larry King interviews and I was like, oh, I, I like 
some of this and I don't like a lot of the rest of it. So I have a whole list of things I learned from Larry King. Many of our, many are do this and the other, the bigger list is don't do this. And it's not because he, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. It's Larry King for God's sake. He's, he's the godfather of this stuff um, that's still around anyway. It's because I went, oh, that was really cool for TV. That was really cool for radio. Now I'm, I am a, a natively digital interviewer. And that the distinction really doesn't matter for our purposes here, but I focus on podcasting in a way that is some, no, the Andrew Warner from Mixergy told me recently, nobody thinks about podcasting like you do, which is a funny compliment because what he means is, holy crap, are you anal about everything you do in this process? Because <laughs> he's really detail-oriented. You know, he does a pre-interview. He pushes you hard. He's got prep. He's got questions. He's got this. He reads your stuff. Da, da, da. And he looked at my stuff and he was like, man, lighten up. You know? So, <laughs> so I am very much a digital native interviewer and I focus on it to the, not to the detriment of anything else, but me, my producer and everybody here, we realize that the show is the product. Whereas a lot of interviewers and podcasters, the, the podcast is like one of their channels and they also do Snapchat and they're selling an ebook, but really the thing is webinars and they're on LinkedIn and they do paid acquisition. Our product at the Jordan Harbinger show, our product is the show. Hmm. So it's not that we're not going to have events. It's not that we're not going to have offerings and courses and online stuff. It's not like we're not going to do anything else. And it's not like I'm not on Instagram. It's just that the show has to be really good because that's where we're competing. We're competing against everyone else for the best interview show around. And I think we're doing a damn good job of that. And my team is obsessed with quality. My team is obsessed with making sure every show solves a problem. Every episode has worksheets that help people apply what the guest is teaching. Hmm. Every episode has extensive show notes so that people know what they're going to learn when they listen. Every episode is cut. Uh, there's 15, there's an average of, I think, 900 to, to uh, 1500 edits in each episode that my producer does to wow. cut out filler words from the guest, to cut out unnecessary silences, to cut out flubs, to cut out tangents, to cut out unnecessary promotion by the guest, to cut out stupid references that don't make any sense, to cut out jokes that didn't land. On be and I'd like to say that's all on behalf of the guest, but a lot of times it's my jokes that don't <laughs> land. And so those are all cut out because we realize that a minute of a listener's time is worth a lot to that listener. And when you extrapolate that and you say, okay, we're serving 5 million podcast episodes this month. 5 million episodes are downloaded. Each one is roughly an hour long, maybe a little less. Let's say it's 5 million hours. So that's a lot of minutes, man. I'm, I'm going to do some back of the napkin math here. Hold on a second. 5 million minutes, uh, or five, sorry, 5 million hours is roughly three. Yeah, it's 300,000 minutes. Okay. Or I'm sorry, 300 million minutes. And I, I need to get better at math here. That was done on a calculator and I still got yeah, it wrong. We'll cut that um, out. We'll cut that out and, and yeah, put something else in there. Yeah. No, that's okay. Just make sure that everyone knows I can't even read numbers. And so that's a lot of minutes. So if you cut out one from a show or two or 10 or 20, you just saved hundreds of, of thousands of minutes, thousands of hours of people's time. And we're very, con we're very cognizant and conscious of that because Every minute that you get from the listener is earned. And if you're not earning it, they're going to turn you off and go somewhere else. And they should do that. So I look at every interview as I'm an advocate for the listener. I used to be an attorney, which is an advocate job. You are an advocate for your client. I look at that as that's how I 
that's how I approach the show, okay? So every single episode has to solve a problem. It has to provide some practical things that people can learn. And I spend every minute of my life studying the thoughts, the actions, the habits of brilliant people, finding out what I can ask them so that the audience can apply that same wisdom for themselves. So I wanna take their superpowers and deliver that to the audience. And if I can't do that and I just end up with an interesting story, I don't know if we have a show there, right? It's not about the guest, it's what the guest can teach to the listener. So every show, I'm not trying to be friends with the guest. I'm not trying to be friends with you know the person who I'm interviewing. I'm trying to get them to like me or anything. I'm not even trying to get the most entertaining thing I can out of them. I'm trying to get the thing out of them that the listener can take with them and go, I learned this from the Jordan Harbinger show. Because otherwise you're just entertaining people. There's a place for that. But you become a commodity at that point if you're just entertaining people. And frankly, Jimmy Fallon's better at it. So I can't <laughs> lean on that. Yeah, that was like the most interesting part of this whole thing for me, bro, was when we, because <clears throat> obviously when, for anybody listening out there, me and Jordan got the chance to hang out a little bit when we were out in Australia at a podcasting conference out there. And I believe it was Omar Zenholm that was up talking about how many hours on average you research your guests before you, have the, or before you actually have them on and interview them. How many hours do you research your guests, bro? And then what exactly does that mean? Like, how can you possibly fill up that much time with research? Yeah, so I spend an average of six to 10 hours and I've tracked this, sometimes 12, usually not, usually average around eight to 10 hours. And so I'll be real though, the majority of that is me reading their book and taking notes. Okay. So I don't do this thing where it's, oh, I've got an interview with uh, Travis in a minute. Okay, let me Google them. All right, I'm writing their bio. All right, cool. Here's his LinkedIn profile. Okay, I see that he went to school at University of Chicago or whatever. Okay, cool. I went to seminary school. All right, awesome. I'm not doing that. I'm reading their book from cover to cover. And I'm reading the dedication. I'm reading the epilogue. I'm reading the stuff in the appendix sometimes. If it's a bunch of math equations, forget it. But as evidenced by my poor knowledge of numbers <laughs> from a calculator earlier in the episode here. But I'm going through the whole book. I'm taking notes. So I've got to pause it. I do audiobooks. I, I got to pause it a hundred times an hour, write things down on my phone, iPad or computer, take notes. Then it's, oh, they gave a TED talk. I'm going to watch that. Okay, cool. I want to read some of the upvote, most upvoted comments on their YouTube channel from some of their talks because there might be people there who are like, I'm a cognitive scientist and this person's main thesis is wrong. And then somebody else is like, no, it's not. Look at this evidence. I'll go there, look at that, read that evidence. Find, I'll go on Amazon. I'll look at their critical interviews. Uh, sorry, critical reviews. Most helpful critical review because a lot of times critical reviews on Amazon are like, this was boring, but the most helpful critical review would be like, oh, I really like this, but here's a glaring flaw in their research process is that it can't, you know, this can't be reproduced and other scientists disagree with them and blah, blah, blah. I'll read that too. So mm -hmm. then I go to their Wikipedia page. I read the Wikipedia article naturally, but there's also the talk page, which is where the Wikipedia editors argue incessantly about what, could, what goes in the article and what's been cut out of the article. And there's a lot of little anecdotes in there. And like I said, I read the prologue and the epilogue to the book because that's where you see stuff like, oh man, this random talk show host that I'm interviewing or this random personality, hip hop guy, whatever, dedicated the book to 
their surrogate mother. What does that mean? What happened to the, your, what happened to your real mother? Who's the surrogate mother? How did she raise you? How did you meet her? Oh, you're not adopted by her, but she was your neighbor because your sister raised you, but then your sister got into drugs and then left you and the neighbor ended up raising you. That's the story, not the stuff that's in the book. Hmm. That's the story that I want to learn about this person. Maybe they didn't even write about that because so, it wasn't about cognitive science. But the story that I want to start with is that, and you don't get that when you Google the person and read the first page or when you have an intern read the book or you read a summary from InstaRead. You don't get that. That's so, what I do. So I'm when taking you go for the gold. That's what I was going to ask. So, so when you go into the interview, do you have like questions planned out and written ahead of time? Or is it just like topics that you really want to dive into and then you just let the conversation unfold from there? Yeah. So what I do, what my notes look like, in fact, I'm just going to like real time go into my show prep and I'm going to bust out some prep. Let's, I'm going to do some completed shows. I don't want to give anybody a peep into something. So I interviewed, let me see, I'm going to bust out Bill Browder. So Bill Browder is Putin's enemy. And what Vladimir Putin, what he did is he's responsible for some legislation in Congress called the Magnitsky Act. He's also taken down a lot of Russian oligarchs and stuff like that. And he wrote this book called Red Notice. And I had him on the show. He's a billionaire hedge fund guy. And he's taken down all these Russian bad guys who murdered his lawyer and friend. And he's doing that because he's pissed off at Vladimir Putin and his cronies for murdering his lawyer and friend for uncovering a tax fraud in the Russian government where they stole hundreds of millions of dollars from the Russian citizens, really. So the theme was courage. And I'm writing out all these things from his book and all these articles are linked in my prep and all this stuff. And the theme was courage. And I, I highlight different things of different colors in my show prep. And so some of the questions I have are, okay, you, learn, you went to Poland and you learned how to take over these things, but were you scared? Who was your mentor during this time? And these are things that are touched on in the book where it's like, yeah, he ends up working for this guy out of New York and the guy just gives him a bunch of cash and tells him to go to Eastern Europe. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. The other guys were ignoring you. You get this cowboy who's literally a cowboy who works in New York who's this grouchy finance guy. What did you learn from that guy? Because he just gave him, he gave Bill Browder a bunch of travel vouchers and blank checks, which is clearly not corporate protocol for this investment bank. He goes, just take this stuff and then we'll figure out how to make it work later once you've made us $25 million from this $2 million. And he's like, just don't screw it up. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Great story, but what did you learn from this? And he goes, oh man, you know, I learned that the only way to do business in the wild west or the wild east of Eastern Europe is to be like a cowboy like this guy Bobby out of New York. And the reason it worked was because he shot first and asked questions later. And, you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And there's all this kind of little maxims that he learned that just didn't make it into the book. And the reason is because the book was a story about these crazy situations he's found himself in. It wasn't a how-to manual, but I turned this into a learning episode for the listener. And I've got questions here. You are taking down these Russian oligarchs. These are mafia guys. They start coming after you. What are you thinking? You're 33 years old. Why are you doing this? Go home, get a safe job. What is your problem? And he's, no, I had ego attachment. I was making money. I didn't want to leave behind. I was 33 years old. I wasn't scared of anybody. I should have been, but I wasn't. He's like, my wife, you know, our relationship was falling apart and we divorced and she went back. I didn't have anything else. I had to prove to myself, to my friends, family that I wasn't a failure 
And that's why I kept doing this. And I went, oh, okay. So how do we reproduce these types of feelings without ruining our family and our lives and stuff? And he's, oh, let me think about this. So we go through these thought processes, these mental models that these successful people use. And that's what I'm trying to get out of the guest. And it doesn't matter if it's a senator or Simon Sinek or a billionaire hedge fund guy or a body language expert or an attorney for Michael Jackson. They've all got mental models they use and they've all used these mental models consciously or not to become successful. And that's what we're teasing out on the Jordan Harbinger show because nobody else, including these people, is thinking about this stuff. That's it for today's episode. If you want to connect with me and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join my free Facebook group, The Lounge. I'll see you over there and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.